Section 11 of Bird Stories from Burroughs by John Burroughs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sandra. Bird Stories from Burroughs by John Burroughs. Section 11. The Chimney Swift. One day a swarm of honeybees went into my chimney, and I mounted the stack to see into which flue they had gone. As I craned my neck above the sooty vent, with the bees humming about my ears, the first thing my eye rested upon in the black interior was a pair of long white pearls upon a little shelf of twigs, the nest of the chimney swallow, or swift, honey, soot and bird's eggs, closely associated. The bees, though in an unused flue, soon found the gas of anthracite that hovered about the top of the chimney too much for them, and they left. But the swifts are not repelled by smoke. They seem to have entirely abandoned their former nesting places in hollow trees and stumps, and to frequent only chimneys. A tireless bird, never perching, all day upon the wing, and probably capable of flying 1,000 miles in 24 hours, they do not even stop to gather materials for their nests, but snap off the small dry twigs from the treetops as they fly by. Confine one of these swifts to a room and it does not perch but after flying till it becomes bewildered and exhausted, it clings to the side of the wall till it dies. Once, on returning to my room after several days' absence, I found one in which life seemed nearly extinct. Its feet grasped my finger as I removed it from the wall, but its eyes closed, and it seemed about on the point of joining its companion, which lay dead upon the floor. Tossing it into the air, however, seemed to awaken its wonderful powers of flight, and away it went, straight towards the clouds. On the wing, the chimney swift looks like an athlete stripped for the race. There is the least appearance of quill and plumage on any of our birds, and with all its speed and marvellous evolutions, the effect of its flight is stiff and wiry. There appears to be but one joint in the wing, and that next to the body. This peculiar, inflexible motion of the wings, as if they were little sickles of sheet iron, seems to be owing to the length and development of the primary quills, and the smallness of the secondary. The wing appears to hinge only at the wrist. The barn swallow lines its rude masonry with feathers, but the swift begins life on bare twigs, glued together by a glue of home manufacture as adhesive as spaldings. The big chimney of my cabin, slab sides of course, attracted the chimney swifts, and as it was not used in summer, two pairs built their nests in it, and we had the muffled thunder of their wings at all hours of the day and night. One night, when one of the broods was nearly fledged, the nest that held them fell down into the fireplace. Such a din of screeching and chattering as they instantly set up. 
Neither my dog nor I could sleep. They yelled in chorus, stopping at the end of every half minute as if upon signal. Now they were all screeching at the top of their voices. Then a sudden dead silence ensued. Then the din began again, to terminate at the instant as before. If they had been long practising together, they could not have succeeded better. I never before heard the cry of birds so accurately timed. After a while I got up and put them back up the chimney, and stopped up the throat of the flue with newspapers. The next day, one of the parent birds, in bringing food to them, came down the chimney with such force that it passed through the papers and brought up in the fireplace. On capturing it, I saw that its throat was distended with food, as a chipmunk's cheek with corn, or a boy's pocket with chestnuts. I opened its mandibles, when it ejected a wad of insects as large as a bean. Most of them were much macerated, but there were two houseflies yet alive, and but little the worse for their close confinement. They stretched themselves and walked about upon my hand, enjoying a breath of fresh air once more. It was nearly two hours before the swift again ventured into the chimney with food. These birds do not perch, nor alight upon buildings or the ground. They are apparently upon the wing all day. They outride the storms. I have in my mind a cheering picture of three of them. I saw facing a heavy thunder shower one afternoon. The wind was blowing a gale. The clouds were rolling in black, portentous billows out of the west. The peals of thunder were shaking the heavens, and the big drops were just beginning to come down, when, on looking up, I saw three swifts high in the air, working their way slowly, straight into the teeth of the storm. They were not hurried or disturbed. They held themselves firmly and steadily. Indeed, they were fairly at anchor in the air, till the rage of the elements should have subsided. I do not know that any other of our land birds outride the storms in this way. In the choice of nesting material, the swift shows no change of habit. She still snips off the small dry twigs from the treetops and glues them together, and to the side of the chimney with her own glue. The soot is a new obstacle in her way that she does not yet seem to have learned to overcome as the rains often loosen it and cause her nest to fall to the bottom. She has a pretty way of trying to frighten you off when your head suddenly darkens the opening above her. At such times, she leaves the nest and clings to the side of the chimney near it. Then, slowly raising her wings, she suddenly springs out from the wall and back again, making as loud a drumming with them in the passage as she is capable of. If this does not frighten you away, she repeats it three or four times. If your face still hovers above her, she remains quiet and watches you. What a creature of the air this bird is, never touching the ground so far as I know, and never tasting earthly food. The swallow does perch now and then and descend to the ground for nesting material, but not so the swift. The twigs for her nest she gathers on the wing, 
sweeping along like children on a merry-go-round who try to seize a ring or to do some other feat as they pass a given point if the swift misses the twig or it fails to yield to her the first time she tries again and again each time making a wider circuit as if to tame and train her steed a little and bring him up more squarely to the mark next time though the swift is a stiff flyer and apparently without joints in her wings yet the air of frolic and of superabundance of wing power is more marked with her than with any other of our birds her feeding and twig gathering seem like asides in a life of endless play several times both in spring and fall i have seen swifts gather in immense numbers toward nightfall to take refuge in large unused chimney stacks on such occasions they seem to be coming together for some aerial festival or grand celebration and as if bent upon a final effort to work off a part of their superabundant wing power before settling down for the night they circle and circle high above the chimney top a great cloud of them drifting this way and that all in high spirits and chippering as they fly their numbers constantly increase as other members of the clan come dashing in from all points of the compass swifts seem to materialize out of empty air on all sides of the chippering whirling ring as an hour or more this assembling of the clan and this flight festival go on the birds must gather in from whole counties or from half a state they have been on the wing all day and yet now they seem as tireless as the wind and as if unable to curb their powers one fall they gathered in this way and took refuge for the night in a large chimney stack in a city near me and kept this course up for more than a month and a half several times i went to town to witness the spectacle and a spectacle it was ten thousand swifts i should think filling the air above a whole square like a whirling swarm of huge black bees but saluting the ear with a multitudinous chippering instead of a humming people gathered upon the sidewalks to see them it was a rare circus performance free to all after a great many feints and playful approaches the whirling ring of birds would suddenly grow denser above the chimney then a stream of them as if drawn down by some power of suction would pour into the opening for only a few seconds would this downward rush continue then as if the spirit of frolic had again got the upper hand of them the ring would rise and the chippering and circling go on in a minute or two the same manoeuvre would be repeated the chimney as it were taking its swallows at intervals to prevent choking it usually took a half hour or more for the birds all to disappear down its capacious throat there was always an air of timidity and irresolution about their approach to the chimney just as there always is about their approach to the dead treetop from which they procure their twigs for nest building often did i see birds hesitate above the opening and then pass on apparently as though they had not struck it at just the right angle 
on one occasion a solitary bird was left flying and it took three or four trials either to make up its mind or to catch the trick of the descent on dark or threatening or stormy days the birds would begin to assemble by mid-afternoon and by four or five o'clock were all in their lodgings end of section eleven